Hi, this is Dr. Lee Piccarello inviting you to tune in to The Head Game, a must-listen show for athletes and coaches of all levels and ages. Mindful Athlete Training in Newtown, Pennsylvania is a mental circuit training program that prepares the athletes to perform at the highest level of today's game. Athletes get into the zone faster and stay there longer. players in the head game another edition in the arena of ideas where luck is the residue of design good morning good morning foxy how are you (laughs) i love it man i love it no said that branch ricky really yep we need player development luck is the residue of design i love it See, you know, why is it that when you think that you've, you know, they say every good idea has already been thought of. Yes. You've heard that. But when you hear some of these quotes and you just know where it comes from and the origin and then the success of that person or that organization, it just, it, it, it can't, it, there's no way that it's been said before. If someone has said it at some point, maybe in a slightly different way. Because I, I think that's that's the that's the problem with 2019, is that we we're constantly trying to reinvent. If I see one more remake of a movie oh. that cannot be remade, I j- just just leave it alone. Is one in particular bothering you? Well, there's the original Willy Wonka, oh. which you which Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka I, I think was mm. in, in its. See, but you, you know, but you know, they both scare me. Yeah, no, no, no. But but there, there's just something that needs to be established, and once it's been done, it's been done. It's it's like you know, it's like you know, trying to recreate the statue of David or the Sistine Chapel. Like once Michelangelo does something like that, you, you leave it alone. You don't try to redo it again with, you know, vibrant colors or CGI. It's just we need to be a little bit more satiated with what has been established and let some aspects of history alone. There. <laughs> we're trying to merge yesterday and today. That's what you're trying to do. That's what with, we're doing. With, with that's what we're trying with the to do. the mental edge, yes. Try to get the synergy working there. And, 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 and uh, I love Foxy yeah. assisting with the segue. Mm-hmm. So today's discussion is all about mental training for peak performance. And we're simply going to call it neuro versus bio, which stands for neurofeedback and biofeedback. Uh, two very distinctively different methods of mental training, but yet equally powerful. And it really is the cornerstone of, you guessed it, our very own mindful athlete training. It is our niche. It is our point of difference. Um, and we are holistically training athletes in the modern day because their sport, their attitude, uh, their attention to detail mandates it. Uh, when you look at athletes and how they train today, the notion of physicality and getting stronger has now spilled over into the other arena. And we're going to be hearing from Coach Cal at a quarter past the hour to get him to weigh on on that very fact. When you think about neuro versus bio, feedback that is what is the difference between the two and why is mental training so important in today's game when you look at athletic achievement and you look at the standard method of operation how people are going about establishing a goal committing to it 
and leading themselves down the path which we hope is a successful one. Well, now the aspect of mental training is slowly but surely starting to catch up. And what makes it so beneficial? What is it about that basic understanding that an athlete can go through that if they train their mind in the same manner that they train their body, they can gain exponential success? Because if they can make the connection, now their mind and their body is more of a connected unit. Now, what are the clinical advantages of working with this type of technology? What are we learning more about the athletes? What information is coming to us as the sports psychologist that we now can provide to the athlete in their younger stages of development, which is going to hopefully improve insight, increase awareness, and really assist in their overall mind-body connection. And last but not least, why is it still not heavily promoted? Why are we still pounding the pulpit that mental training deserves its rightful place in this arena? Because when you listen, folks, to what professional organizations and elite-level athletes are doing, it's the holistic training that is, in fact, available right here in Lower Bucks County. But before we get into all of that, and Dr. Lee goes off on an additional tangent, because this is a topic that is near and dear for me, this is really about the conception of why mindful athlete training has had the success it has in a few short years. We're going to hear from our own Jess Ferdinand with a little morning mindful news. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So, what did I choose for today? I thought it would be appropriate to talk about athletes who actually use this technology. And you are very familiar with one that I'm going to say because he actually has a commercial with the technology that we have at Mindful Athlete Training. But for NBA, we have Steph Curry and Kawhi Leonard. The NFL, TJ Carey. I just, there's probably a ton more. And then for the U.S. national team, which I'm sure there's a ton now, this, the research that I got from this may be from a year ago or two years ago. So mm-hmm. I'm sure at this point it has just taken off. Um, the ski team, the U.S. ski team. So I, they use these two in particular, which is the Fit Light, which I'll go over. I think we're going to go over it a lot throughout this. Uh huh. Um, Show So I don't want to go over it too much because I found something different that I've never heard before. So we have the FitLight and stroboscopic sensory training. Oh. Have you heard of that before? I have not. Well, neither have I. So FitLight training is basically palm-sized discs that light up one after another, and they strengthen agility, balance, coordination, while also training your reaction time simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Lots happening there. Steph Curry actually promoted it, like I said before. Basically, like Dr. Lee likes to say, you're overloading the senses. Yes. Um, Because Steph Curry is all about that. I mean, he wears the goggles that alter his vision. Well, that's the stroboscopic sensory training. Okay. Well, there you go. I had no idea what he was wearing. Right. They kept saying goggles, and I had to figure out what these were. It's all about depriving one of your senses. So, essentially, they improve visual perception and attention. And this was a study that was done... The reason why it got big because Duke University conducted a study and they had two control groups, which is very simple. A control group who had these these glasses on and then one who didn't. And the difference was that those who wore the eyewear showed an increase in ability to quickly process visual information, one. 
Two, those who wore the eyewear had a 25.7% improvement in visual, visual motion sensitivity. And three, those who wore the eyewear improved accuracy performance by 2.21%. In contrast, the accuracy performance of those who didn't wear the eyewear worsened by 0.83%. So what I'm hearing is that one out of four athletes have a better ability to feel in their peripheral vision more than likely yes uh, stimulus that are coming at us and when you think about basketball and cutting and how uh, you know the the uh, behind the back pass or the no look pass is coming yes. at you very quickly that is a, a clear advantage yeah I, and if you can imagine so Steph Curry was the only one in particular that I know right now like I said there's probably many more who does both of these trainings at the same time so he's working with the fit lights and these goggles yes and it's He's been doing this since, like, 2012. Steph Curry is all about overwhelming his senses, which is what we refer to as stacking in yeah. our lab. It's, it's, a, it's an oversaturation to the point of creating that involuntary nervous system response, which is what we loosely call performance anxiety, right? So he's all about, but if you think about in, in other research that we've shared in past shows, the flow state is not really achieved in practice as much as it can be because the intensity of those mm -hmm. X-factor variables is not simulated. You want a high-stress environment to activate the flow state, which is the uh, action and awareness merging. Yeah. it's. I just thought it's just so crazy because it's no wonder why he's so successful. Or he has been successful in the last few years, and he just kind of took off. It's analogous to what Tom Brady is doing with his holistic approach to his training, whether it be diet, whether it be um, stretching and range of motion, which is he refers to as pliability, which I wouldn't be surprised if TB12 actually tries to get a registered trademark on pliability. Just They, they launched their Boston office, their lo Boston location this past week. Um, just some other athletes real quick that we've highlighted in uh, some of our own research that we've done. Misty May Trainer and Kerry Walsh. Uh, Olympic gold medalist tandem for beach volleyball. I think they won three consecutive Olympics and got to the finals in a fourth. Um, they have been using EEG neurofeedback for years. Um, the World Cup Italian soccer team, when they won the World Cup uh, a number of years back, there was an article in bio, the Biofeedback Journal, simply called Biofeedback, that talked about the EEG training where they would simulate penalty kicks to see the type of brainwave activity that athletes would experience when they watch themselves kicking penalty kicks, arguably the most stress-laden aspect of soccer. They called it simply the brain room. Uh, NHL hockey in Canada has committed more and more teams are committing to the idea of both bio and neurofeedback. So again, our, 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 our huge takeaway point today is the type of training that's going on in Kalinowski Performance Academy, KPA, and in Newtown, Pennsylvania, right across the street from the NAC, is training that's being done at the highest level. The Toronto Raptors, when they invested, I want to say, 60, maybe $70 million in their new training facility, they have an entire wall of fit light training where the fit lights are built into the wall and the floor when you think about agility. When you think about perception, when you think about attention to detail, processing speed, these are all of the mental intangibles that, one, 
athletes have always taken for granted are simply going to work well the day that they show up to perform. And two, we as onlookers don't really mind when we watch athletes. It's catch ball, move ball, dribble ball, shoot ball, two points. There's so many other elements as to what is going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, that gray matter above the shoulders is the most important tool that needs to be developed. It needs to be contoured. Um, also, too, talk to me a little bit about some of your research as it relates to um, did you come across uh, additional training methods that they couple with the biofeedback or what we're loosely calling biofeedback do you mean like the physical yes training? yes um there i mean there's tons of videos and articles on it they i did come across something that i've never heard of and it just i couldn't i didn't have enough time to it came right at the end and it's called transcranial direct current stimulation and sports performance and yeah, it was it's a, a mouthful <laughs> it's a fifth it's backed by 15 years of research transcranial Transcranial direct current stimulation and sports performance. Is it a form of EEG? Is so, it, there's a, some type of electricity involved? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it's basically that was a it's a research so it's actually i have to read it like i was like oh man i, I can't read this right you didn't have time to you didn't have you, you didn't have time to like, crunch your transcranial show. research prior to the show i couldn't even glance I, over and figure out what it you was you could have gotten up at four like foxy and if you I got you, up at four I you could have gobbled up that research you could have been ready to rock here today <laughs> and you could you could have shared thank you foxy you could have you could have shared transcranial with the world However, it could be the debut on the head game. WBCB yeah. would be getting flooded with phone calls. <laughs> they would be overwhelmed. They would be next, saturated. Next they, week, transcranial. The system would crash. Transcranial direct current stimulation and sports performance. Right. It includes peak power, perceptual learning, paradigm. I don't know how to say that word. Paradigm. paradigm. That's okay. There's like three words in my vocabulary that I will always say wrong. That's okay. Something people like about me, actually. They wait for it. It is. That's and, one. And, and, but it, but it's okay. Yeah, like Yo's mic. It right. can happen. Because anyway. you're not afraid to learn new things. And that, but that, that's, I'm serious. That's what it's all about. Because a lot of people would hesitate on that, right? Yeah, I just kind of went for it. I knew <laughs> and the cognitive performance and mood elevation. So next week, my mindful news, I'm going to tell you all about... I I I I have bated breath and I am and I am just um I cannot wait. Wow. Trans transcranial direct current stimulation and sport performance. It is real. Thank you for sharing that with me. It's in bold letters, it's highlighted, it's underlined. That that's very nice of them actually. I can just click on the link to the research. It is. And so now we have transcranial games now. That'd be a new show we can have. Oh, that's right. How about right, that? Good. So when you think about how all of these technology assists with the development of the athlete and you think about the physical and the mental being coupled together, it's a quarter past the hour. And you know what that means. It's only time for one thing. In situations like this, when you, when you want to bring someone on that's just, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let the, 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 the music that is so just eloquently just, it, it when I hear this jingle now, I, I think of Coach Cal. It, it's, and and it's, it's about his ability to motivate, to stimulate, to generate. Um, 
And he's got it all going on. And we have our new interns from Temple over at KPA. Not one, not two, but three nights a week. And we are starting to get some major mojo going on. And I want to hear all about it. And I want to hear about how the technology is starting to match the KPA style and philosophy. It's time for Coach Cal's Corner. How are you, Coach? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing very well. How's everybody there? Good, man. Good. Good. This is a this is a topic near and dear. I had two cups of coffee prior to today's show, brother, so look out. Uh, you are totally stimulated. I am ready to rock. You know why I'm stimulated? I actually came across some research, and the research from this show of a neuroscientist, that, that one of the clips that we're going to be playing later in the show, talks about the role of caffeine Jess is not in her head as far as it's all about getting to know your body. And if you find just the right amount, hands down, it is a performance enhancer. Without a doubt. Totally agree. Right. I just actually taught it this week in class. Yeah. So one of my, uh, what was your focus? Said, yeah. She said, how much should I be taking? I said, well, it, it varies from individual to individual, but there is a bell shaped curve of stimulation that your body can handle. And too little doesn't produce enough performance, but too much can cripple your performance. So you really have to find what works best for your body. You have to find what type of caffeine works uh, for your body. And each individual has a slightly higher threshold. So uh, what maybe works well for Dr. Pick may not work very well for Jessica. Right. Um, so you got to really find that, like you said, you got to find what works best for you. And sadly, you know, a lot of people just want an answer and they don't like to always hear that it depends because a lot of things in our, our industry, it does depend on a lot of other things. It does. But um, it, it def- caffeine definitely works from a, a physical performance, but also with our holistic approach, your mental performance as well. So, Cal, when, you, when we've got some new things going on at KPA and we started off with, you know, traditional fit light training. For those of those people that don't know what that is, it's really... Um, a disc that is an LED light sensor, which we can change from a full light up to a just a circle or just a single dot, which is really three levels of, of difficulty. That's how I explain it, which encourages a lot of physical movement, and it's measuring reaction time in milliseconds. You can go um, against the machine. You can go against another person. It's really a, a fully customizable system, but now we're pulling over... Um, neuroplasticity training, which is a big mouthful for really teaching people how to fire their muscles more appropriately, Uh, again, getting a millisecond recording of how accurate they can respond to a stimulus. And we've now brought in a third piece of traditional biofeedback, which is heart rate variability, which for people who don't know what that is, that's really encouraging the athlete, really the performer, to become more aware of what their heart is doing in the moment so we can teach them how to, one, become more aware of their physiology, but two, to train them that they can manipulate and change their physiology in real time. When you see these things going on, Cal, just give me a little... Uh, editorial of of what your athletes are saying observations that you're making well first of all like like yes when when i see it when i see it i get juiced because like i said i'm a big believer in this the holistic approach that we use and what gets me you know most excited is not the fact that we have all this technology that you know professionals are using with our athletes but 
how receptive the athletes are becoming to it, and they're realizing that it's just part of what we do. And um, the the beauty of my interactions with, especially our newer athletes, is that now it, you know, when they come to me with concerns, like I, I'll give you a perfect example. Last night we had a, a baseball player from Pensbury came in um, who had trained with us once, you know, before in the past, and came back now, and he said, you know, I'm stretching him out, and he's like. One of the things that I think I really need to work on is uh, is relaxing. I get kind of anxious, and this is where, what I was getting at. What I like is now it's just part of our discussion. It's part of our vocabulary. Love it. I said, "Well, you need to go back and see Jess." But Jess had left by the end of the night. Um, it, was, it was over. I was just stretching him out as the adult group started. But um, yeah, it's it's part of what we do now. It's part of you know how we educate the athlete it's how we maximize the training experience for the athlete and not only is it great that it's so comfortable to discuss and that it's so receptive the athletes want it now they look for it um and when you know they started this week or last week with you know a couple different approaches they were all like oh well what's this and you know i love that because we're starting with a generation that um, maybe can make a big change in the future of how we train the athlete. Right. Um, and one of the, one of the things that we also did, I think it was last week, was that when we were doing the well, when Jess and, and your interns were doing the assessment, I was sending the parents back and I was sending the coaches back to go see what is being done. And the thing about it is, it's because I believe in it so much. I want them to see what's going on. I want them to understand why we're doing what we're doing and that. This is something that, you know, is going to be something that the athlete's going to uh, get something out of for not only, you know, the time that they're on the field, but they can carry these kinds of things on into their future. We're always talking about creating a lifestyle and good behaviors. And everything that we're doing in there with the mental training as well as the physical training are the things that are going to make them better in the future as well when their playing career is over. But again, in the short term, yes, we're trying to make them the best athletes possible, and I think that there's there's no match for what's going on in, in KPA right now. And what I like about the feedback that you're sharing is, you know, it, it's 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 all about the collaboration between you and I, right? And and when you talk about change in general, if the if the people at the top don't have buy-in it'll never trickle down and when you tell me the story about stretching out an athlete after a workout and they're actually bringing up performance anxiety which is common in every single athlete at every stage of their development it's just a question of how often does it happen and when it happens how intense does it get but the point of collaborating and promoting and educating a holistic model is that now this athlete is talking to you about an element of his game that he simply did not know what was available to him, which if he never knew about it, he doesn't know to bring it up. Because if he doesn't realize that it's a potential resource, he's going to keep that to himself. His himself. And that's, that's really about how we're trying to change the culture of athletic training athlete by athlete it's how we're trying to when our first show uh, two and a half years ago i talked about the normalization 
of sports psychology and 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 steering away from the medicine man mentality where if if athletes and their parents can start to make the connection that you don't wait until there's a problem to address probably the most important muscle above the shoulders now everything about training is going to change uh, when, when when Tom Brady, uh, TB12, opened in Boston this past week, he released a statement about how he genuinely believes he has an obligation to train the next generation differently. And I thought that that was accurate and spot on. Because yeah, of his yeah. success, he wants to share things that he finds beneficial and he wants to give those things back to the athletes what you and i are doing yes we're developing ourselves as professionals but in real time we're helping those athletes learn as we are learning cal talk to me a little bit about we're talking about today's difference that the mental training for peak performance and the difference between bio and neuro and you said to me i don't know if it was last week or the week before when i said to you when i say biofeedback what do you think of and you said pain talk to me about how the the evolution of just as a human being all of these warning signs that we get when we're training are messages and What's really different now in today's world that allows athletes to pay attention to them? Well, I think, um, you know, when we, you look at biofeedback, there's a lot of different, I call them signals, uh, that your body will send you. And some of them can be very beneficial if you can control the situation for optimal performance. And one, you know, easy example for a lot of people to comprehend would be muscle tension. Um, Muscle tension is a biofeedback mechanism. It is something that, um, you know, the non-athlete experiences as well. You know, you're in a job situation and you're, you know, you're anxious for, you know, whatever the reason is. It could be deadlines. It could be the workload. It could be, you know, your relationship with your boss or your coworkers. And you're creating this tension, which, you know, changes your posture, can affect your breathing. There's all kinds of things that can happen. For the athlete, that muscle tension can lead to injury that muscle tension can lead to um you know a performance that is uh you know degraded um they're not able to uh use their their um, muscle skeletal system the central nervous system to its optimum for optimal performance so you may see a change in velocity you may see a change in control um with, with, with if you're looking at a pitcher it could slow you down running the bases it could slow you down you know getting to the edge um so there are all kinds of things that can negatively affect you when it comes to a simple uh example like the muscle tension if you can control that which is what you know uh your expertise is and jessica's expertise are uh to teach the athlete to recognize it and how to control it through you know biofeedback or um other approaches that you may want to use it again is now taking that holistic approach to making them the best that they can be and that's just one example there's other things with regard to um you know controlling your heart rate and maybe your core temperature in some cases maybe you want to raise your core temperature or other situations you may want to you know suppress your core temperature so there's all these little things that your body's telling you all these signals that you're getting that if you can control them for optimal performance, you're going to be your best. So here's a question so, for you. You ready? Yeah. It, it, all yeah. of the, if, if our body is giving us all these signals, why do you think 
we learn, for the most part, to ignore them? Because I think we've always focused more on the physical. And um, from a strength and conditioning perspective, this is one of the reasons why I think what you guys do is, is so great. From a strength and conditioning standpoint, traditionally, and even in a lot of, I don't want to say ignorant programs right now, but I say ignorant because they don't understand what you guys do. We'll call it underdeveloped. Yeah, underdeveloped. There you go. Um, uninformed, as a uninformed. Right now, we'll call it, right? Um, Embryotic. They still, yeah, they, they still um, try to use a very militant approach with their training. They, tr- they try to just focus on mental toughness from a standpoint of constantly yelling at people and degrading people. And no pain, no gain. Is, <laughs> yeah, right? Right? What they don't realize is that it's completely counterproductive. Yes. Um, you know, in, will that work for some people? It may. But when we say, is it working for some people, is it making them the best that they can be? I doubt it. Um, but when you, know, when you are more informed and you take the time to understand what's happening in uh, sports psychology today, and how you can maximize an athlete's performance through things like our biofeedback and, and neurofeedback and things like that, you see that yelling is not the best way to get the most out of people, all right? That you can do it in other ways. And in, in my opinion, I let the experts do it. Jessica, you, you're the experts, all right? I love to learn about it. I know a little bit about it, but I'm not going to pretend I know how to do it. Because then I'm a disservice to my athletes, I'm a disservice to myself, and I'm also not helping the industry to become what it should be. But you're also so, modeling for them the, yeah. the, the, the wisdom and the knowledge, and most importantly, Cal, the confidence to bring in someone else that's going to support your ideas, that's going to strengthen your philosophy... And you're just, you're willing to collaborate, which, if you think about yeah. it, is really the overarching picture uh, yeah. of what we're trying to paint for these young athletes. Cal, Absolutely. final thoughts. When you talk about mental training for peak performance, what are the advantages and how does that happen at KPA? The advantages of your mental training is, as you had uh, indicated earlier, you're really only as good as the strength that you have applied to that muscle above your shoulders. Um, You can be, like we've said in the past, a physical specimen. I can make you big. I can make you fast. I can make you powerful. I can increase the velocity on your your pitch or whatever it might be. But if you don't have the mental strength, the mental uh, toughness, if you don't have the ability to control your emotions and and listen to the biofeedback that your body's providing you, you are a detriment to yourself. You're not allowing yourself to become the best that you can be. And from a standpoint of KPA, this is why I think um, our program is really the, the premier program, one of the best programs around, is because I know what m- m- my limits are. And I have uh, adopted uh, the whole philosophy of the holistic approach. I've always believed in it, but there was never an expert that I could rely on. And I found that with the mental athlete training. Um, I'm very thankful for the experience because I'm a big believer in letting the pros do what they do best. Um, I know that that's not my strong point, but I do believe in it. I would definitely market it. I support it. 
and I'm glad that it's part of our program because it has only made our program better and has only made our athletes better. Well, we are only as good as the company that we keep, Coach. And, you know, making the, the commitments to, to connect with KPA has made Mindful Athlete Training that next level. And we are only as strong as the athletes that you create, my man. In the arena of ideas, the head games continue on WBCB. First half adjustments have been made. He didn't defer. He's now back on offense. Dr. Lee Piccarello with a transcranial Skeeter Ferdinand. <laughs> I'm just adding to my name. You are. <laughs> so you, you commented to me on the break about uh, the comment that I made to Cal. Yes, I did. It's hard for me to get a... Um, to speak because you guys are so passionate so I write down my thoughts to keep my brain flowing um, and I I truly believe it's just like an old school thinking I was just talking about this with my brother who was on the show before mm-hmm. he's a strength I saw, I saw you coach. working out I saw you doing mm-hmm. some squats on some Instagram post good form Jess I don't want to talk about that okay. <laughs> he, it helps him promote so um, but I, he has a someone who recently said you know i heard you're looking for people and he it's kind of funny he was like listen i have a really bad um i I just don't go so if you you can't see me next week don't worry i don't mind the procrastination and it was funny but he's like you know i i think it's because we're not we don't learn at a young age how to properly exercise or how to properly do anything we're just kind of we just do it and then it leads to bad habits Mm -hmm. like when you go to the gym people who don't know how to work out are like i don't know I don't know what to do. And then I got, you know, I don't really want to go anymore. Right. I think it's kind of the same thing. We're not taught correctly how to train anything. We take our brain for granted. And it's a very simple Mm. statement. But when you get into our industry and you take a deep dive, there are, are volumes that are written about that very concept. We take our body for granted um foxy let's go to number one i was going to try to quote him but he does a much better job uh, than i he is a neuroscientist he is a a former athlete Uh, he is a very smart cat and he talks about how they're changing the way athletes work out true or false sports performance is all about genetics and how big your muscles are absolutely false it's about how well does your brain control them all those movements that make you an elite basketball player it's all part of muscle memory one of the best is this guy tj carey he's a cornerback for the oakland raiders we worked with tj with our product halo sport it's a pair of headphones it helps speed up firing neurons in the primary motor cortex which means the brain can take in more information really quickly and he added nine inches to his vertical leap 42-inch vertical leap. That's amazing. That's insane. His brain was optimizing the firing of every little part of that muscle and everything that goes into that. Strength is specific. Let's say you're training on a biceps machine. Then what you're really getting best at is just doing that exact thing, is doing that biceps curl. Because it's not just about how big your muscle is. It's about how your brain has learned to use it in exactly that context. And that's why the best physical training is the training that best approximates exactly what you're doing on game day. The thing is, this is relevant to all of us because we all have a brain, we all have a body, 
we all want to reach our potential. Everybody can have this sensation of, wow, I nailed that. So when you think about everything that he's saying, and he's saying so much, how does the brain optimize muscle development? Uh, What he is breaking down in simplistic terms is the holistic relationship between brain and body or brain and other systems. The musculoskeletal system, the nervous system, the respiratory system. It's all about the brain being the supercomputer and having an open exchange of information. But when I mentioned neuroplasticity, what we're doing over at KPA, that's building neural pathways, folks, which is analogous to creating a superhighway with wider lanes that can handle more traffic and information with less congestion. So think about your worst commute ever and imagine how much more relaxed, how much more fluid and efficient you and your car would be if it was twice as wide. That's what repetition does. And it's the basic neural connections that most athletes overlook because they're getting stronger. What he said there is you're, when you do that bicep curl, you're only making your bicep as an individual unit stronger as it relates to that functional exercise. It's the neural connections that allow you then to apply the physical strength, the agility, the athleticism in the moment. Yeah, he does a, a like a, a great job of explaining this without even we don't even know what he's explaining. We do, but I'm like, oh my! Like when he says strength is specific, and how well does your how do you, when you train your body, like when you train your muscles, it's training that specific part of your brain. He's really breaking it down in a really nice way, um, and it makes me think of taking each one of what we do in the lab separately. And you were kind of hitting on HRV. Yes. With calm, when that's what I think of when you say clearing the traffic, that's learning how to breathe. Yes. Yeah. Which, which, again, because but, but now, just to give you the flip side of that, you talk to, to the mass majority of people in Major League Baseball, it's, yeah, they taught me how to breathe. Mm-hmm. But because that's more of a familiar concept. Heart rate variability has been saturated in Major League Baseball for a number of years. But it's only the foundation, folks. It's one piece of the holistic puzzle and it's what if you're only doing that it's it's you're only going a quarter of the way through the marathon cramping up and wondering why that's what it's analogous to you're perplexed as to why you can't imagine finishing because your body has failed you because it's only one piece of the puzzle it's only one corner of the square puzzle piece That's the heart. There's also the brain, the muscles, and the nervous system. And holistically, we are cultivating aspects of all four of those systems, and we're now defining the relationship for the athlete of how they work together. It's what we call BioQ. It is the holistic mental skill metric that encapsulates an athlete's ability to integrate all four systems that are key domains in human performance. Yeah, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we're talking about neuro versus bio, so neurofeedback versus biofeedback, but bio-Q 
puts both of them together. Yes, it does. And we're, we're, we're simply distinguishing the difference in our discussion today because a lot of people throw around biofeedback loosely that yeah. are familiar with that term, which is traditional. So here comes the, the, the operational definition. Traditional biofeedback, like heart rate variability, is more common because it's looking at the subtle beat-to-beat changes of our heart which we record as heart rate rhythm. So it's not taking your pulse. It's evaluating for the performer how their heart rate is changing over time. And it's giving them information about if that rhythm beat-to-beat change is smooth and ordered or it's more irregular. Smooth and ordered is more optimal which encourages what we call flow state. Irregular is more indicative of performance anxiety, performance inhibitors, not optimal functioning. Neurofeedback is what is called non-traditional biofeedback. Neurofeedback has been around since the 60s in which you're looking at brainwave activity in real time. You're measuring the strength the electrical strength of a brain wave that is constantly firing, that is so strong that literally radiates through the scalp. And we have localized a mid-range brain wave, which means it's not too high, which is indicative of performance anxiety, and it's not too low, which is indicative of daydreaming. It's smack dab in the middle. And the clinical term is sensory motor rhythm, otherwise known as SMR. It's mid-range electrical currents that our brain is producing. And when we're in that state, that is optimal for performance. So now mm-hmm. we can tell athletes this is, this is a difference between high and low. And when you think these thoughts or you're trying to pay attention or establish focus, this is your ratio, but this is where you need to be. Yeah. And then the, the best part about it is once you – so when you take HRV and you actually teach the athlete, so here's your performance anxiety. Maybe you'll go through a guided meditation of actually spiking that, and you can see it on the screen. Um, once they figure that out, okay, now you got calm and you, you understand that. Then you move into stacking, which we talked about earlier in the show. Yes. when we yeah. talk When we talk about stacking – and the relationship between different systems collaborating, now we're taking the athlete's baseline and we're challenging them exponentially, which the, it draws out the natural competitor. So when you think about this magical flow state that has so much research on it now, this, this calm level of attention without an over-focus on anything, when action and awareness merge, these are prior definitions that are very well established. When we're teaching the athlete to find flow, and that's what we do in our lab, BioQ gives them a number, a starting point of how well their systems are working together, and it's giving them a breadcrumb trail of how they can go find it and strengthen it. Foxy, let's go to number two. This is Dr. Pierre Bouchon, and he is talking about the Canadian Olympic short track speed skating and biofeedback. Biofeedback is, uh, is uh, taking the physiology and the, and the uh, EEG and putting it together and showing it to the athletes what's happening in real time. And so the thought technology equipment that we're using Uh, we take it a step at a time. In our program, we start with muscle tension, respiration, heart rate, skin conductance, and we put all that together and we train each one of those. 
and then at the end the athlete understands which modality that they're using and, and can actually control that and the long-term effect of that is increased confidence. The more the athletes relax then the, the likelihood of peak performance is to occur. And what we want is, uh, if we're looking at his threshold of performance, if he's continually on the podium, then we know that we're achieving our goal. Heart rate, skin conductance, skin temp, and what's called GSR, galvanic skin response, which is the clinical term, folks, for sweating, are all traditional biofeedback methodologies. It's encouraging more insight for the athlete to become aware of how their body, their physiological systems are operating in real time. So I have a question. When should an athlete start actually doing this? Because at a young age, you probably can't process all of this or understand why it's even important. I think that's a great question. My answer to a lot of parents who have asked that is it's all about the maturity of the child, the emotional intelligence of the child, But it's also about the reason for referral. It's why you're coming to see me. If you're coming to see me because there's a problem, because little Jimmy or young Jane is not performing at a level that their parents think they should be, or that coaches are pulling parents aside and saying, hey, I I think you might want to have them go talk to someone about something. And they're not making that stride that's indicative of where they should be developmentally, then you're going to take it much differently. Whereas if you've got a 12, 13, 14-year-old that really gets it and wants to take their A game to A+, or they want to, as I refer to, sharpen the mental blade, now it's a simpler conversation. Now it's more about educating them as to what resources exist and how they can help themselves. So it has a lot to do with that age, but specifically to answer your question, I'm going to say middle school is right around the time where the average performer, because this is not just about athletic development. We have musicians in our lab. We have performers in our lab that that are in the fine arts, that are on stage. We have public speakers that come to us that are young adults that want to develop that craft. It's all about how you're managing all of the systems you have available to you in real time, heart rate, breathing, muscle tension, to be a better performer on their game day. That's the connection. That's the real difference. When we make those connections for the athletes, for the performers, and we help them understand what their body is doing in real time, it's a whole different level of insight. It's, it's, it's like a wave of, of relief comes over them. When you sit down and you do a heart rate variability session and you see the connection between your inhale and your exhale and how it impacts your heart rate in real time, the pressure is just removed because now it's more about I can maintain a certain level of control as to what my body is doing. Now, once we do that, we help athletes understand that when the stimulus of their game is beyond their control, when we were on the Major League Baseball Network, MLB Network, I explained that there are so many variables outside of the batter's box that the Major League hitter has to manage. And it's true. 
Jim Tomey came over and he mentioned the heart rate, the calm aspect is what speaks to me the most. And he talked about yawning on purpose and then deep exhaling through his nose. What he's doing is he's manipulating HRV. That was just his own little approach. But when you think about all of the variables in life that we cannot control, that's what's activating our most predominant stress response. Mm, Yeah. I actually want to challenge the thought that Mr. Tomei had. Because I think that when a lot of baseball-specific people come into the lab, like you've mentioned before, they always migrate back to the calm station. The HRV. Which, which is HRV. And and especially him and what he did with yawning. And, and players do it all over. They have their own way of calming down, which is... We, we went through that. Is it ritual or superstition or whatever? But now I'm going back to the question that I answered after the break which i'm thinking that maybe they're just not educated on the other stuff and that's why they're not interested in it or that doesn't very know. much like i said to cal of the the baseball player from pensbury that he was uh stretching post-workout you don't know what you don't know if you yeah. don't know it's available to actually go work on performance anxiety you're keeping that to yourself And that's consistent case in point with what you're speaking of right there. They're not taking it beyond HRV to EEG, which is electroencephalogram, which is a mouthful of brain wave awareness and associated training, which is what we call our focused station. Mm -hmm. There's the neuroplasticity, which is muscular timing training, which is what we call engaged. And then when we put it all together, calm, focused, and engaged, we're helping the athlete achieve integration. And we're measuring that metric through the fit light system and that millisecond response. Putting all four of those together, those four concepts HRV, EEG, and neuromuscular timing leads to athletic integration. That's what we call BioQ. Mm-hmm. And that's the holistic mental skill metric, which is going to turn the sport analytical world on its ear yeah. when they find out exactly what yeah. it is, because it does not exist. It's only pieces of the puzzle that other people have spent time, which are all valuable, training their athletes in. But they've overlooked the overarching piece, which is the value of the integration. Foxy, let's go to number four, please, sir. This is an Olympic rower success story. And this is sports psychologist Leah Lagos a number of years ago talking about the benefits of biofeedback training. Really what you're doing as a superfan is bolstering all of these other things, your self-esteem, the group. Okay, so that's wrong. That's okay. I was in the flow state too, yeah, baby. I, I, I was fine. That's I was why we watched it. them before. That is. Let's that's talk why we, about it. Tell me what you tell me your observations. <laughs> so, what I really liked about that video is, first of all, Leah Lagos, Doctor Lagos, has Dr. a Lagos. great voice. She does very calm. Yes. very nice. She practices um, what she preaches. Yeah, she's committed to her craft. Yeah, so she has a what it looks like an older version of what HRV, what I'm familiar with that yes. we have. We're, oh. we're, we're ready to rock. Foxy Notice says go. That I could have these wonderful, amazing performances, uh, but I just felt like I could hit a higher level on a more consistent basis, and I just 
didn't always have the tools to do that, it felt like. What we're going to measure with this is your respiration rate. She sought the help so of Dr. Leah Lagos, who uses something called biofeedback to help elite athletes stay calm under pressure. And a gentle inhale through the nose. Dr. Lagos hooked Sarah up to a computer system which monitors her heart rate and breathing. And a slow, gentle inhale through your nose. Watch the pink line mirroring her breathing. Taking a gentle inhale and an exhale. Sarah worked for 10 weeks with Dr. Lagos doing homework, mental and physical exercises and one-on-one -on -one sessions. Everybody, doesn't matter if you're a six-year-old golfer or a 30-year-old rower at the U.S. Olympics, everybody has stress and this gives all of them a way to manage and deal with it. Sarah says instead of any stressful thoughts while rowing, she would focus on things that got her excited like trying a new sport. I just noticed like consistently better control over my my anxiety over my thoughts over my then my body my heart rate and she started winning more biofeedback is used for ptsd and depression but dr lagos a clinical and sports psychologist applied it to college and professional athletes breathing is the key breathing process breathing at your resonant frequency are you there okay <laughs> so I liked how she ended it, breathing is key, because the one thing that stood out to me initially was how she was instructing her to breathe in through her nose. That's the first thing that struck to me, because that's the first thing that I learned at the Mindful Athlete Training, that the relaxation breath is an inhale and exhale in and out through your nose. Correct. Yeah. Often the, 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 the mistake that a lot of athletes make is that when they're trying to relax, they engage in more what's called stereotypical performance breathing, which is in through your nose, out through your mouth. However, some people do teach the diaphragmatic breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. Yeah. But I believe that the in, out through the nose allows you to temper and monitor the exhale, which needs to be as long if not longer, slightly mm -hmm. longer than the inhale. It's the nose, mouth can in lead to inhale deep, exhale quickly, and now you're not really uh, oxygenating red blood cells to maximum capacity. You're not altering blood chemistry, which leads to what we call peripheral blood flow. It goes back to the skin temperature. Uh, biofeedback, traditional biofeedback intervention that we spoke of earlier. If I can increase body temperature intensive degrees in fingertips and toes, holistically, I am now more of a warmed up high performance sports car. My heart rate recognizes an equilibrium and a balance in my system. The heart rate rhythms become more smooth and ordered, which is sending electrical cells throughout the body, which is 40 to 60 times stronger than brainwave activity. It is our motherboard supercomputer, the heart, giving us more of that physiological integration signal. And that's the zone. It also allows the athlete to focus on other things. It allows the athlete to take their mind to more advanced mental skill training practices and principles mm -hmm. when they know their body is integrated because they've done the work. And now, Dr. Lee's Mindful Athlete Minute brought to you by Volvo Country with locations in Princeton, Bridgewater, and Edison. Biological feedback is not something new. 
In fact, it's something that is as old as when man first developed. Our mind and our body are both something that have been sending us signals since the beginning of our existence. We all have been in situations where our brain and our heart have been talking to us to help us pay attention. You've read the signs. You've seen them. Warning. Danger. Stop. Keep out. No trespassing. The question is, do we listen to what the signs are telling us? The truth is, biofeedback is the modern-day scale that smacks us across the face and wakes us up. It's the better-pay-attention meter that does not lie and always tells the truth. It's a cold stare back at you from the inner performance mirror. It's the American Idol judges of both mind and body, and the feedback can be brutal. It's what you do with it that makes you apart from the rest. It's true that when we're more informed, we make better decisions. How can it not be? Mind and body chatting often that leads to full integration. It's the holistic dating scene, and it's all the rage. Now that's a mixer worth attending. My name's Dr. Lee Piccarello, and that's my Mindful Athlete Minute.